Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thanks again for joining me once again today. Apologize the show didn't come out last night, Sunday night, but of course with a game as late as that went and multiple overtime games this weekend. Yeah, well, the show wasn't going to be released. We have a Super Bowl in place, and the first segment will be talking about our new head coach. The Vikings have a new head coach, Gary Kubiak. Oh, there's a difference. Shut up! Well, yeah, a a former head coach uh, joining the coaching staff. Gotcha, didn't I? No, I didn't get anybody, but I figured I'd just, yeah, poke a little fun about it. Gary Kubiak has joined the Minnesota Vikings coaching staff. Most of you already know, of course, but we're here to discuss it, talk about it, and we'll talk about that in segment number three in terms of with you guys. We'll get my opinions and just kind of analysis here. Segment number one, that's definitely the top Viking story leading into this week before we jump into full-on playoff action in segment number two. Gary Kubiak has joined the Minnesota Vikings not as offensive coordinator, but offensive advisor. He will be the head coach, (laughs) assistant head coach, pardon me, assistant head coach and offensive advisor. So he will work with Kevin Stefanski. Sounds like Kevin Stefanski is completely on board with this move. The uh, 57-year-old Houston, Texas native Gary Kubiak, who was a career backup quarterback, didn't see a whole lot of action in his career as a quarterback, Ended up filling in for John Elway in a couple of blowout losses in the Super Bowl to the Washington Redskins, much to our chagrin in 1987. God knows who would have probably won that game if things went slightly differently in the 1987 NFC Championship game. Not bitter about that or anything, uh, but also again, the 1989 Super Bowl. Of course, a complete blowout. San Francisco crushing the Denver Broncos in that one. Gary Kubiak getting a little bit of action, but probably not the kind of Super Bowl action he wanted At the end there, he would have liked to uh, maybe help lead the team to a championship or maybe he's quarterbacking a blowout in favor of the uh, Denver Broncos. That would have been nice. Uh, Kubiak played from 1983 to 1991 as the backup to John Elway his whole career. So him and John Elway pretty well acquainted. And now he's leaving the Broncos to join the Minnesota Vikings. So kind of surprising a little bit, but it kind of is what it is. Head coach for a couple years led his team to a championship in 2015, only a year, only his first year there as head coach, things went oh so well. The defense kind of so showed up. They won a couple of extra games than they had in the previous year. Wound up getting a number one seed and were just too good for the Patriots in that game. The Patriots were a drop pass away from yet another Super Bowl. It would have been, uh, well, how, how many in a row would it have been? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. It would have been five Super Bowls in a row attended by the uh, New England Patriots. So it's three now. Gee, am I spoiling the story? No, I'm not. You saw it. As a coach, during the course of Gary Kubiak's career, he was the running backs coach in Texas A&M from 92 to 93. San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks coach in 94. Steve Young had his career year that year. So, obviously, Steve Young was already a great player. Had a couple of very successful years for the 49ers, 92 and 93 before that. But in 94, that was a spectacular team. How much credit do you give to a quarterback's coach when Steve Young or Peyton Manning or whoever is the quarterback? It kind of is what it is. Now, Peyton Manning, the year that the uh, Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, was completely cooked, which also shows a massive difference between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Tom Brady is two years older and looks way better than Peyton Manning did when he was 38, much less 39 in his final season. Uh, Then Mr. Kubiak joined the Denver Broncos as the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach from 95 to 2002. Of course, helped John Elway 
win a couple of Super Bowls there. Obviously, John Elway, again, a very established guy. Had some awesome seasons. Those were some of the glory years for the Broncos, and he also did a hell of a job as offensive coordinator uh, getting uh, the best out of Jake Plummer as quarterback. That's that's pretty good because Jake Plummer failed miserably in Arizona. Very highly touted, but didn't do so well. He was the offensive coordinator at Kubiak from uh, 03 to 05. So basically, Denver, Denver, Denver for the longest time, 95 to 05. Then he got hired as head coach of the Houston Texans. Houston Texans, his hometown, and of course a new franchise around that time. Houston Texans back in the NFL again. Good for them. Uh, he wasn't originally he wasn't the original coach or anything. We're going all the way back to 2000 for that. But just saying, he was the second coach in their history. Had some success, had some failures. Generally speaking, not the best. Offensive offensive coordinator in 2014 for the Baltimore Ravens. Head coach again for the Broncos. 15-16, and now in 2019 is the assistant head coach and offensive advisor. He had still been working with the Broncos, a senior personnel advisor in 17-18 slash well, 17 and 18 for the Denver Broncos during his years. He retired because of, uh, stepped away as head coach because of health issues. So, interesting situation there. Kubiak did have a pretty solid career with the Houston Texans, but nothing spectacular. Didn't make the playoffs in his first five seasons. 6-10 in 2006. 8-8 eight and eight in 2007, 8-8 eight and eight in 2008, 9-7 and seven in 2009, 6-10 in 2010. Then they won two divisions in a row, 10-6. and six. They lost to Baltimore in the second round after winning the wildcard game, 12-4. and four. Still managed to, still stuck in the wildcard, though, in 2012 and lost to the New England Patriots, who still who went on to lose to Baltimore in the conference final that year in 2012. So, again, yeah, they lost to the Patriots after winning their first uh, first round game there. Started the season in 2013, 2 and 11. And that was all she wrote for uh, Gary Kubiak. He was let go and then again resurfaced with the Broncos and won the championship with a uh, battered and uh, broken <laughs> battered and broken Peyton Manning as quarterback but a spectacular defense but a good enough Peyton Manning. A Peyton Manning that was recognizing at that stage and thanks to Kubiak I'm sure that he was in he was at the stage of in his career of being a game manager rather than a uh, you know a legendary quarterback anymore at that stage. Uh, 9 and 7 in, and missing the playoffs in 2016 Kubiak stepped away due to health issues but uh, a hell of a run for him. Perfect record in the playoffs with Denver, 5 and 2 overall in the postseason. So that's good. Um we served under George Seifert, George Seifert, Mike Shanahan for quite a while, John Harbaugh, Mike Zimmer now, um, and the assistant coaches under him are Troy Calhoun, Mike Sherman. That's an interesting one there. Yeah. <laughs> Vance Joseph, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt Lafleur, who happens to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers now. I didn't even talk about him yet. Matt Lafleur, who's under forty, so he they're hoping he they can get another uh, Sean McVay. Because Sean McVay, well, he has accomplished something. Though, of course, quite a mess of a game. We'll talk about that next in segment number two. But Gary Kubiak, uh, that's a bit of a little analysis over the course of his career. A little going through his uh, resume, joining the Minnesota Vikings staff. I think it's a very good hire. He's a little on the old school side, of course, but that's fine. The good news is he is not, from all reports, and I mean all reports, He's not this egomaniac who wants to just come in and take over and just say, well, Kevin, <laughs> good good luck to you, Kevin. I'm, you know who's really going to be the offensive coordinator here, right? You know who's going to you know who's going to take care of everything behind your back and, you know, literally pull all the strings and before you know it, I'll be the coordinator and you'll be looking for a new job somewhere. You know what's going to happen. Nudge, nudge. But no, that is absolutely not even close 
Gary Kubiak. Um, luckily, I don't think that's how Kevin Stefanski was with John Filippo. In fact, I don't hardly anybody could even talk to John Filippo from what people say. One of those guys that that one of those up uptight, you know, I'm better than you types uh, out there that was looking for a uh, promotion, so to speak. Maybe he's humbled a little bit. He will head to Jacksonville who did not fire their coach. He'll be the new offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who supposedly are targeting Nick Foles as their new starting quarterback, which, well, okay, maybe. John Filippo and Nick Foles, Jacksonville Jaguars, well, it can't be worse than Blake Bortles, that's for sure. Nick Foles was not quite as magical in this season's playoffs, but he was good enough to get <laughs> the first round there past the Chicago Bears in Chicago. That was pretty damn good still. And they almost beat the Saints, despite not the best game ever. Talking about almost beating the Saints, though, to think they almost got knocked out in the in the second round again. And this would have been a huge, huge uh, upset for the uh, <laughs> New Orleans Saints, where yesterday, not so much. I mean, they got beat by a 13-3 and team, so that just kind of is what it is. With that said, I'm chomping at the bit. Let's talk about the NFC and AFC championships right after this. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Let's look at the NFC and AFC Championship games. We will start with the NFC Championship game to lead things off here. Didn't look good for the Rams at all. It looked like they were overmatched. And, and that's kind of took place in both of these games where one team took an early lead, and a multiple-score lead here. Uh, but the defenses of both teams showed up to play. That was quite evident. Uh, Drew Brees was not as sharp as you would expect him to be in a game like this. He wasn't as sharp last week either. The Eagles' defense was very good. The Eagles, remember, took a 14 to nothing lead, and the Patriots ended up jumping on it, going from there and squeezing past the Philadelphia Eagles. Things did not end well, of course. The tip pass intercepted. And that seems to be a theme in a lot of these games. <laughs> Multiple interceptions that way at the end of the way. Though those tip passes were by receivers in a lot of these games. Uh, Jared Goff had one of them in here. His interception was not earned. That was a pass that should have been caught. That was bounced up in the air. Gave the Saints a major advantage. But the LA Rams defense, you know, they are a force to be reckoned with. And they will definitely be a threat going into the Super Bowl, without a doubt. Um, It's like you get, over the course of the season, you get so gaga over the offense that was scoring so many points earlier in the season and that epic battle between the Kansas City Chiefs and LA Rams, which almost was the Super Bowl this year. It would have been young generation versus young generation, so we will get a young versus old after all, which is what both of these conference championship games were. One old guy lost, one old guy won at the end of the day. Uh, again, a 26-23 to 23 win for the Los Angeles Rams, but it did not look or feel like an LA Rams win until extremely late in the game. Uh, it looked it looked and felt like the New Orleans Saints were going to win this game pretty much from the get-go all the way till just about that final drive when things were oh so scary at the end of the day. Uh, two 13-3 teams, but again, it felt like New Orleans had the advantage. But the thing is, the, the New Orleans Saints never put the game away. There, there was this feeling of a blowout, this feeling of a blowout that just never ended up happening. And Minnesota Vikings fans, all of you out there, wouldn't you just kill for a Greg Zerline right now? I mean, wouldn't you just kill for that guy? 
against the Atlanta Falcons, against the Seahawks, against anybody, against the Packers earlier this year. Vikings in the playoffs right there. Would the, what would the Vikings have done in the playoffs? I don't know. Probably not enough. But wouldn't you just kill to have a Greg Zerline right now? I like who we have. I like Dan Bailey, but he isn't Greg Zerline, and he's not going to make the kind of kicks that this guy made. Greg Zerline, to me, absolutely just uh, had ice in his veins in this game. He made all four of his field goals, including, again, a historic 57-yarder. Beautiful. Uh, Will Lutz also, though, awesome. I mean, he didn't miss anything. Nothing was long, but he made everything he had to kick, and that's the whole point. Short kicks have been missed so many times by the Vikings kickers over the years, especially during the uh, the reign of Mike Reaver, who will no longer be the special teams coach, and no announcement has been made. We're still waiting on that. Uh, a strange game, though. Strange situation with Todd Gurley. Uh, he was kind of, he was, that was the, where the uh, tip uh, ball was tipped up in the air and intercepted. You just got the feeling like Todd Gurley was not, uh, the game plan just didn't go in Todd Gurley's direction. And you could kind of sense frustration from him at the end of the game where he kind of walked away. He kind of walked out of the celebration, it seemed like, at least from the camera angle, it seemed like he just kind of walked out. Only four rushes in the game. <clears throat> and again, this is after the tip, the pass that he tipped up in the air that was intercepted early on which helped the New Orleans Saints add another field goal. That's the one thing about this Rams defense. It felt like Mike Zimmer. It felt like a Mike Zimmer defense where, okay, he might give up some yards, but then when it comes to the red, the, the red zone, they're lethal, and, and they keep you out of the end zone. The Saints would get in the end zone, <clears throat> but not all that often. Uh, the pass to David Griffin ultimately put the Saints up 13 to nothing after Will Lutz's couple of field goals again. The bend but don't break defense, including, again, after... <clears throat> The Rams went down 3 to nothing, And then the interception by Jared Goff, which was not his fault, Todd Gurley volleyed it up in the air. <sighs> and then the Saints ended up having to settle for a 29-yard field goal. You can imagine the frustration there from the home crowd, but they probably thought, oh, we're fine. You know, we'll be fine. We're the, by far the better team, and we're going to put up 40 points against this club. But that just wasn't the case. That just wasn't the case at all. Uh, the Rams' defense showed up to play in this game, and Drew Brees was frustrated time and time again. He did end up throwing two touchdown passes at the end of the day. Lucky for Todd Gurley, he did get in the end zone, but only four carries in the game. Uh, the Rams were playing from behind most of the way, but again, how many rushes went to C.J. Anderson? Big, big, pudgy C.J. Anderson who only got three yards a carry and a long of eight. Certainly not as good as he was last week. <laughs> That's for damn sure uh, against the Dallas Cowboys, where there was no doubt that entire game the Rams were going to win. Even though the Cowboys hung in there and hung in there and hung in there, you, got, you never really got a feeling like the Rams were not going to win that game. I thought the only team that was going to beat the Rams in the NFC was the Chicago Bears, at least in the second round. Uh, but I thought the Saints would take care of the Rams. They did earlier in the season. In fact, it was a pretty pretty big crushing. It was quite surprising, actually. Um, it was... Uh, the Saints team basically walloped everybody during the course of the season. I thought one of the only teams that might knock them out would have been the Dallas Cowboys if they somehow miraculously made it because of the way they literally turned the New Orleans Saints into a baseball score. I mean, that was really something else. But again, the four rushes from Todd Gurley, quite alarming. Despite the fact both of these clubs, as great as their offense is, top four in the league, blah, 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 all the four best offenses in the NFL were in these conference finals this weekend. Um... Both of the defenses of these clubs were great. And quite frankly, I think the Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs' defense were really good too. None of these games were nearly as high scoring as people might have thought. Though, I mean, shoot, it's still, what, 50? <laughs> it's still uh, 52 points 
combined. I mean, that's 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 not that's not uh, garbage, but still much lower scoring than a lot of people may have expected. Uh, Brandon Cooks also viable, and Jared Goff, despite the early start and the noise. I mean, there was a huge problem with the noise in this game, time and time and time again. It felt like things were the the, the Rams were in big big trouble. It really did. But uh, Jared Goff just hung in there. And the moment of truth, really, is which what turned this whole game around when the Rams couldn't even buy a first down to start the game out, including that gosh darn interception. This is already after the interception, and the Rams are down thirteen nothing and all that. Um, then all of a sudden, when the Rams are ready to punt deep in deep in Saints territory, and then there it is. There goes Sean McVay. Sean McVay making the big the, the big decision here. The young thirty two year old coach of the L.A. Rams. Johnny Hecker, the Johnny Hecker. All of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, he's not punting, is he? Oh my God! Okay, all right. It's like he's passing, and it's like I was just kind of, you know, when you get in a daze and you're kind of looking around the room, like, yeah, another bleeping punt. This is great. And then he's passing the ball, and it's caught, and it's a first down for the Rams. Beautiful. Uh, and that was the beginning. That was the beginning, and it was like immediately. Jared Goff went from a guy who looked like, yep, he's, the, the, the moment's too big for him. Just like, you know, earlier in the season when the Bears beat him up and the, the Saints beat the Rams. and the, the, the Rams beat the Chiefs. That was a pretty exciting game. And I do think the Rams maybe would have beaten the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. There's a, there's a chance, pretty good chance. Um, but the Chiefs are awful, awfully damn good as well. Awfully damn good as well. Every one of these teams would have deserved a Super Bowl championship this year. It is sad to see any of them lose except the Saints. But uh, we'll continue. Um... But no, that was the that was the beginning. That was the beginning of what would become a a decent upset here. Even though the Rams were thirteen and three, they were the underdog in this game, and they felt like the underdog. A quarterback who'd play playing only in his second playoff game of his whole life. Last week's opponent was not going to beat the Rams in the LA Coliseum, and I mean that was it. And then all of a sudden, Jared Goff started to get the guts, and he started to throw some cold blooded passes. And boy, oh boy, him and Brandon Cooks were really something throughout this game. Uh, Josh Reynolds as well made some big plays. Uh, Gerald Everett made a huge one, a 39-yard strike. Obviously, none of these were touchdowns, but they were big plays which set up Rams scores throughout this game. Uh, You didn't get a whole lot out of the backfield, but you did have some big plays. Uh, There were some moments where Robert Woods, if if only he didn't stumble, he was in the end zone and the Rams were on their way. But uh, that, that's okay. He still made the big play, and the Rams all still ultimately got the job done. But man, oh man, was this a scary game for both clubs. New Orleans Saints, obviously, well, I mean, Drew Brees is what he is. He's he's able, capable of making great plays. But then the Rams started deflecting his passes. They started knocking the ball around. Again, this is the defensive line of the L.A. Rams. And this is when you start getting a reminder. Like this, you know... You, all this talk about the Rams' offense is unbelievable and this and that, and they get in shootouts with the Chiefs, shootouts with the Vikings, shootouts with the Saints, shootouts with whoever, shootouts with themselves in practice, whatever it is. But then you sit down and remember, you got, uh, <laughs> I mean, you got uh, Dominican Sue, you got this guy, you got that guy, you got uh, Akib Talib. Obviously, he's he's more of a he's obviously a cornerback. You got. Sam Shields. I mean, you have all these players. You got Aaron Donald. You got <laughs> one star after another defensively. Uh, so you can't you can't just sit back and say, "Well, it's all offense." So again, what was the what was uh, Tom Brady's 
weakness with the New York Giants. It was the defensive line, and a defensive line that could really get the job done. Uh, Dominican Sue had a sack and a half in the game. I won't be cheering for the Rams, by the way, but I'm sure you already figured that out. But I certainly won't hate it if the Rams win. I'll be a little, I'll be disappointed. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald, though, obviously as valuable as he is, creating that pass rush, knocking the ball around. Um, a hell of a game, though. Uh, Michael Brockers, that ultimately, that tip pass throughout the duck that would uh, end up being the undoing of the New Orleans Saints, the interception that gave the Rams the ball back. The big play there because the New Orleans Saints won the coin toss. That was the thing. Once it went to overtime and the Rams were able to gut it out and tie the game up, big play there. The Rams were able to tie the game up thanks to Zerline getting that huge clutch kick <laughs> once again. As scary as all these games are. I mean, Greg Zerline, 48 yards. That's no joke. I mean, it's a. I mean, how many times have you watched, and again, Will Lutz putting the Saints up by three, <laughs> doesn't that just figure Will Lutz putting the Saints up by three again in that big moment but um, just like last year with less than two minutes remaining how many times have you seen a 48 yard kick from the road team, the home team whatever, inside, outside, especially outside, but inside especially or inside as well, somehow magically they don't handle the snap right or just for whatever reason the kick is off, but Craig Zerline right down the middle, 48 yards and there was just no doubt about it, no doubt about it and then when the Saints failed to score and you had that big interception by the Los Angeles Rams after deflection, big deflection. Yeah, that was a uh, obviously a game-changing moment. Before all this, though, again, when the Saints looked like they were about to score and put the whole game away, there was a questionable call, of course. A lot of people would uh, agree with this. A lot of Viking fans don't feel too bad about it today, I'm sure, saying it's karma and all that. But uh, Robbie Coleman, Nicole Robbie Coleman, did pass interfere with the Saints receiver Lewis there. There's just no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> poor. This was an easy call, and unfortunately, at the end of the day, the call was not made. Um, the call was not made. See, the thing is, it's that. You know, I don't think the pass would have been caught. That That's what's frustrating about it. See, the Saints had to settle for that field goal by Will Lutz. They scored that touchdown, and, well... The game isn't necessarily over or anything, but possibly, possibly. Um, they at least, you know, they get a sizable lead. And, it's, you know, it's much harder for the LA Rams to make it. There's so little time, but maybe they would have. Who knows? It would have given them a ma- better chance, though. The Saints a much better chance of winning the game. Um, Robbie Coleman, though, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, that was a... He, he played a decent game. He had a couple of deflections. He should have had three deflections if he was playing the game properly there. He could have just turned around and batted that pass away. He was in between the receiver and the ball. All he had to do was turn around, but instead he played the player instead of playing the ball. That's the sad part right now where we sit at this, sit sit down and say, what a controversial call and blah, blah, blah. The Saints probably should have won the game or at least should have had a touchdown lead, which would have been much more difficult for the Rams to tie it up. The Saints probably should have won the game, this and that. But then you have that moment. You have the moment where the you know where the call was not made, and everyone's pissed off, and this and that. At least everyone in New Orleans is pissed off, and of course Sean Payton rode that side judge forever until after the game and said again they blew the call, and he talked to the NFL right away, and they said they blew the call, blah blah blah. They did. They 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 blew the call. Do I feel bad? Not really. Obviously, all the crap that happened with the Saints. But back-to-back years, the Saints suffer heartbreaking losses. 
which again sounds awfully familiar in this part of the woods, unfortunately, in our neck of the woods, even to some of us that don't live around here, but uh, I do, and I'm experiencing extreme cold. I think this uh, weekend would have been uh, perfect for an NFC title game, a outdoor NFC title game against the Los Angeles Rams, just like back in the old days, way before I, well, not way before, but slightly before I was born, when the Vikings played outside against the LA Rams in the NFC Championship game on multiple occasions. They came out to this frigid, frigid, frigid weather, you know, below zero or just above zero, and the Vikings did what they did. They took care of the, the Rams. The Rams couldn't do a whole lot, and the Vikings went on to a Super Bowl that didn't go all so well, unfortunately. But uh, no. Instead, this game was indoors in New Orleans. A call late in the game didn't go the uh, the Saints' way. But again, I don't think the Saints were utterly, absolutely robbed. I don't think that pass would have been caught. I don't. I don't think the pass would have been caught. The guy, as long as Nickel Robbie Coleman simply turns around and puts his hand up or hand out, basically, the ball was underthrown a little bit. Uh, it was. It was underthrown, and maybe Lewis would have stepped, would have been out of bounds anyway. I mean, it's just the ball. Coleman was playing it right, and then he screwed up. He went right into the guy. He knew he had pass interfered, and then he's like, oh, sweet, I guess not. And then that was the end of it. And he said, hey, hey, hey the, you, you got to respect the call. That's what he said after the game. He's just teasing and mocking the Saints fans. But all this who-dat, all this, all this who-dat, this arrogance, and, of course, Sean Payton's endless smirking. And I don't really like Elvin Kamara anymore after he said F Minnesota. What did Minnesota ever do to Elvin Kamara? Seriously, F Minnesota. So I don't feel all that bad. <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of a lot of things. Some of the, some of the talk, some of the BS. I don't like the Saints at all. I don't love the Rams either. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I won't say what's not to like, but I will say there's a lot less to 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 not like about the Rams than the Saints. There, what what is there to like about the Saints other than Drew Brees' excellence? But uh, I do think during the course of this season in the second half, Drew Brees was not the same guy that he was earlier. Is Drew Brees on the verge of retirement? Who knows? I wouldn't blame him if he was. Uh, But again, another guy at 39 who far exceeds what Peyton Manning was at 39. Again, neck injury to a quarterback, neck and injury, neck and surgery to a quarterback generally is not a good combination, particularly when you get to be uh, 39. So not too surprisingly, uh, Peyton Manning's career Took, took a screeching halt when he got into his upper 30s. So I can't make fun of him for that. That would be insane. Um, but for the Rams to get the interception, the big play, and then again, Jared Goff to complete a couple of strikes to get the Rams into field goal range, close enough type of thing. Just enough, because the Saints defense held pretty strong. But then you have Greg Zerline, a leg of steel, and, I mean, it was the kick of his life. This is the exact opposite. You know, you have a guy from 29 yards out, 27 yards out, 21 yards out, 31 yards out, 41 yards out, and the son of a bitch is going to miss. Every freaking time he's going to miss, he's going to find a way to blow it, and then you go home pissed off and frustrated, and then you get Greg Zerline from 57 yards out. And it's like Kirby Puckett on super steroids in the 91 World Series in the bottom of the 11th. That's what it looked like. I mean, he kicked that thing. That thing, (laughs) there was no doubt about it. From the get-go, it was right down the middle, and it was an explosive kick that would have made it from 67 yards. Not 61, 67 yards, easily. That That thing was 
careening in the air. I mean, that thing was, I, I don't even think I'm using the right word, but that thing was going forward, not downward, forward as it crossed the uprights. And it was very high on the uprights. And it was right down the middle, like I said. It was literally like a freaking shell from a from a. It was like a like a missile from a from from a jet. I mean, it was that good. And you know what? It was the best kick I've ever seen. That that's just all I gotta say about it. Best kick I've ever seen. It's not because I love the Rams, because I don't love the Rams. I wish the Vikings beat them, and the Vikings could have beat them. But no, the doggone off defensive line was about a million times better than our offensive line in that game. And Riley Reef was in over his head. And it didn't help that he had a foot injury that had been nagging him the whole damn season. So, the whole damn season. And he just kind of, he played the tough card and, well, it didn't work out. But for the Rams, it did work out in a big way. They did a hell of a job against Drew Brees. And, of course, Jared Goff was able to shake the jitters, the early jitters that generally, time, generally speaking, a lot of times a young quarterback or any quarterback is going to fold in that type of situation. And Jared Goff did not, to his credit. He... He proved it to me that he can handle it. Earlier in the season, he couldn't handle it against these these uh, better teams. But in this game, he did. And very impressive. Can he handle it against the best of all time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. But let's talk about the best of all time. The a- AFC Championship, New England 37-31 to in a back-and-forth game. That looked like the Patriots were going to take a sizable lead. And there were so many opportunities in this game. The Patriots could have been up 21 nothing, 24 nothing, and beyond. Easily. It looked like the Patriots were going to blow out the Chiefs in this game. It's on, the, it's on the Chiefs, regardless if you don't like the referee's calls in this game and if the ball bounced off Mr. Edelman's finger or thumb, pardon me, or not. The Kansas City Chiefs, well, <laughs> their offense wasn't doing anything in the first half. They didn't score a single point in the first half. This greatest show on turf, so to speak, in Kansas City didn't score a single point in the first half. Is that the ref's fault or is that your own fault? Number one, is that the ref's fault or is that your own fault? You're also, again, you've been seeing a change in philosophy during the course of this season, which is very wise, which is what the Patriots do every year. They're, they're different every year. The strategy is different. The approach is different. And that's why, again, the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, continues <laughs> to play at a high level at age 41 you know, sometimes you'll have this backup quarterback that's 41 years old that can maybe complete a couple passes and he maybe threw about 150 passes in his life in the, in the, in the NFL. That's what you'll have. You know, or you'll have some guy like Steve DeBerg who hung on here and there. He'll have some moments. But, and maybe he'll play in a, a few snaps a season in the later stages of, of his career after starting a couple years earlier on for Atlanta or whoever. But well, when you have a guy who's still pretty much at the top of, of the NFL at the top of the NFL, still playing at the top level. It, it is it is a sight to see. But the, tr- the, ch- the change in approach by the New England Patriots this year is clearly they use the running game more and more. And Dr. Frankenstein, Mr. Bill Belichick, finds a way, one way or another, despite losing Greg Soldier. Soldier, Soldier. <laughs> Not Soldier, it looks like Soldier. Because of a, well, expensive contract, whatever, that nobody's going to live up to that kind of a contract. I mean, do you think Riley Reef is living up to his contract in year two? <laughs> do you think Mike Remmers is living up to that contract? Ha! The New England Patriots are paying about $10 million combined, paid about $10 million combined to their offensive line this year. Rookies and this and that, and, uh, you know, fill-ins. And they did such a good job 
during the course of this season. I mean, when a running game is this successful, the offensive line has something to do with it. Uh, James White didn't get as many carries in the game. He didn't get his 12, 13 catches like he did last week. But Sony Michel was, again, you know, an MVP type of player for the New England Patriots. He was getting the first downs they needed, particularly down the stretch, and they were burning the clock when they needed to as well. Sony Michel ultimately ended up with 113 yards and two touchdowns, and Rex Burkhead with a couple of clutch big plays after the Chiefs had taken the lead, and ultimately when the New England Patriots would do what they do in overtime once again. Once I saw the Patriots won the toss, I thought I was like, they won. As long as they don't, as long as nothing stupid happens and there's an interception, they won. And it was a, a beautiful, beautiful moment uh, at the end of the day. It reminded me shades of the Atlanta game. You could just feel it coming once again. But again, a 14 nothing lead in the first half where clearly the Patriots clearly were the better team. Their defense was stalwart. Um, Mr. Pat Mahomes, Pat Rick, Patrick Mahomes, or Pat Mahomes two, Pat Mahomes Jr., I have nothing, absolutely nothing against the guy. He is a, he, there's something about him that is uh, very impressive. You know, I mean, obviously he's got the skill. His maturity is a beautiful thing. You don't see, you know, I don't sense an ounce of cockiness. It's only confidence. And I like that. There's confidence and there's cockiness. There's always that, there's a fine line between it. And I don't sense an ounce of cockiness from Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. I, anybody that likes him, I don't blame you at all. I, I, I see what you're seeing. I see the skill. I see the excellence. Unfortunately for him, that New England Patriots defense knows what they're doing. And what does Bill Belichick, what's his job? Like a lot of people that think Bill Belichick's coming up with all these wacky offensive plays, he's approving them. And he probably works with uh, Josh McDaniels off and on quite a bit. But what's, what's Bill Belichick's thing? It's defense. Bill Belichick is a defensive coach. He was the defensive coordinator of the world champion New York Giants in 1986 and 91. <sighs> He was the he was the he was the DC defensive coordinator during the Giants' uh, heyday, particularly in the '80s. And of course, the Vikings actually almost hired him in 1984. Uh, Brent Jacobson bringing that up. I had heard it in the past, but of course, uh, more and more coming out about that that he was a very strong possibility of being hired before the Vikings hired the Les Steckel. It was nothing. But again, let's not forget Bill Belichick's success level wasn't the same back in the early days of his uh, head coaching career with Cleveland. He was good with Cleveland, but he wasn't this good. He was not so good with the Jets in the short stint, but then the, the trade, the Patriots made the trade to get him. Paul, uh, <laughs> Jeff Dubay of PA and Dubay made fun of it. You make trades for this guy, not not Bill Belichick. And next thing you know, history was uh, history is what it is. I mean, how many championships, you know, how many conference games in a row now? Eight AFC championship games in a row, which is absolutely off the charts. Eight in a row, baby, from 2011 on. Um, this is their third straight Super Bowl appearance. It's just incredible. It could have been five in a row if not for the tip pass by the uh, great Denver defense. Patriots might be going for the third straight Super Bowl, too. Very possible. Um, fifth, fourth, actually, because the uh, the Seahawks. Um, they beat the Seahawks. They would have definitely beaten the Carolina Panthers, for sure. Uh, the Falcons, that's three in a row. And, well, okay, maybe we'll say they would have lost to Philly even though that was a damn close game, but uh, it kind of is what it is. Okay, uh, but clearly, all of you want to hate on the Patriots, this and that, and I don't blame you if you don't have to like the team, you don't have to, you, you have your own personal tastes, but I just love how Brady, he reminds me so much of Joe Montana, and he grew up admiring Joe Montana, and that was his guy, and I don't know, I, I just, I still feel that I have a love for Joe Montana, 
as a quarterback like almost nobody else. And to me, Tom Brady's a modern-day Joe Montana, and he, he has been that, and it has been a wonderful career. Um, the job he did on the road as an underdog is duly noted. Um, the Patriots have struggled on the road since 2006 in these games. They lost to the uh, they lost to the Colts in that game, and of course they lost in ball uh, not in Baltimore, but they they have struggled on the road. They lost in Denver. They lost to Baltimore at home, and that's their only home loss in the AFC title game. Was to the Baltimore Ravens in 2012. That was an incredible performance by that team. I, I lauded it, even though I was sad to see the Patriots lose. I lauded what. Uh, that Baltimore Ravens team did. It was extremely impressive, and I did pick them to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of that season, so I was pretty lucky there. Um, but no, this was one hell of a back-and-forth game. The Kansas City Chiefs were, like, they had like 37 yards of total offense in the first half. That's how good the Patriots defense was, and that's how not impressive the Kansas City offense was. Second half was a completely different story, and the shootout was on. As Patrick Mahomes drove his team down the field and into the end zone to Travis Kelsey, next thing you know, it's a one-score one score game. The Patriots' defense then was strong again after that, and they would end up getting only a field goal, but still up by ten points, which I think was, you know, at the time I felt semi comfortable with it. If 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 I'm on the Patriots sideline, but then the fourth quarter was a shootout of a lifetime. You go from seventeen to seven to thirty-one, thirty-one. I mean, that is a beautiful. That's beautiful football. It truly was. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Came back, ready to go. The Kansas City Chiefs would have their big moments. <sighs> he had that stupid fumble. Well, it wasn't a fumble, but it was a big play when the Patriots had stopped the uh, the Patriots had stopped the Chiefs. You think everything's going to be fine now? The Patriots are okay. They stopped the Chiefs after a little scare here, and next thing you know, the ball bounces. And to me, it's not even if it was a bad call or this or that. It was close, and luckily for the Kansas City Chiefs, the next play was ball don't lie, so to speak. Uh, Tom Brady threw the interception, and uh, but then again, it wasn't even Tom Brady throwing the interception. It was the same guy, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Judah, Julian Edelman, who had, again, did the ball bounce off his thumb? I think maybe, yes, maybe. That's the thing, though. Stay away from the freaking ball. The ball was bouncing like you wouldn't believe. What is the number one rule as a special teamer when it's bouncing around like that? Especially in a big moment, but in any game. In a preseason game. Stay away from the ball. Why is Julian Edelman trying to be, you know, why is he trying to be Ryan Stanberg picking up a grown ball at second base? Why is he trying to be Cal Ripken at shortstop? Let the ball roll. The ball was rolling so hard, it probably would have been a touchback anyway. So what the flying bleep are you doing? Are you that worried about poor field position that you had to try to be like, you know, Ozzie Smith? What are you doing? What are you doing, Julian Edelman? What the hell are you doing? So the call goes the Patriots' way. Chiefs fans want to kill the kill him, kill the umpire, or kill the side judge, or kill the freaking referee. Kill them all. Kill them all. Well, guess what? Ball don't lie. Blah, blah, blah. So if it touched him, it touched him. The pass was to Julian Edelman, which was maybe slightly too high. But Julian Edelman still got to catch that. I mean, it's not Tom Brady's fault. Believe me. Just like freaking Wes Welker in the Super Bowl in 2011, the ball's bounced right up in the air, just like you're setting up somebody for a spike in volleyball. Just volleyed up in the air and intercepted. And the Chiefs got better field position than they would have had that fumble counted. So, whatever. And then the Chiefs uh, ended up getting a touchdown out of it, and that's kind of how it goes. Huh? 
Damian Williams' value was ex- extremely huge in the game. Three touchdowns, one rushing, and a couple of receiving touchdowns for Damian Williams. Extremely valuable. Again, making up for the loss of Kareem Hunt in a big way. At the end of the day was uh, Damian Williams a bit. Uh, certainly not an explosive, spectacular game, but still, it didn't. I mean, the Patriots' defense was that good at the end of the day, and the running game was that much better. But it looked like the momentum had completely swung to the Chiefs, this and that. But then Tom Brady again responds and puts the Patriots back ahead. I mean, it was just the accuracy of his passes and this, the no-give-up attitude, and again, the the excellent <laughs> the excellent running ability of this New England Patriots team forced the Chiefs to use a timeout, and the Patriots had all these great opportunities. <clears throat> the Patriots had all these great opportunities to take the lead and win the game. Again, that Damian Williams play, putting the Chiefs ahead. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, the Chiefs ended up going, it, it was a 24-21 as Tom Brady and the Patriots simply did not give up, and Julian Edelman was making the big plays. Multiple opportunities for Cordero Patterson dropped. Very catchable passes right to him, and he just dropped the ball, and Tom Brady just kind of slumped over like, you've got to be kidding me. So, obviously, <laughs> Cordero Patterson about his about as useful as he was here as a wide receiver, though he did have some good moments on occasion. But uh, he's more of a running back than a receiver, I think. I, I don't know. Um, Patriots had their moments. Uh, Cordero Patterson had that really nice return that did set up the Patriots to score a touchdown. Because that's what the Patriots were doing. They weren't counting on their kicker to make kicks to hang it to, to hang in there. They only attempted they only had one field goal in the entire game by Steven Gutskowski in the game. That's what was amazing about this Patriots offense. They just simply got in the end zone. And that's why that's what the, that's why their approach was exactly what it was at the end of the day. Um, Patriots down by four with two minutes remaining. Everybody knew, well, either that's gonna be an interception and the game's over, or well or the Patriots will have their big moment. There was an interception a tip uh, the ball was tipped up in the air by uh, Gronkowski, who also had a pretty big game, had some huge catches down the stretch. But then, luckily for the Patriots, number fifty-five of the Kansas City Chiefs was just standing offside the entire time. His foot was over the line, John Simon, and that was a big, big mistake there. At the end of the day, John Simon was standing over the line, the, the magical line there. And the offsides was already called before the pass was thrown. It was a free play, and luckily for the Patriots, the game was not over. Ultimately, the Patriots would get in the end zone, take a 3 nothing lead, but 39 seconds left. You just knew the Chiefs would find a way. And yes, <laughs> Mr. Patrick Mahomes did guide his team into field goal range, and yes, their kicker made the kick. Was I surprised? No. The game goes to OT <laughs> at the end of the day, 31-31. I was not surprised Buckner made that, and I, I'd rather he make it than he misses. I, I think that's lame. And let the Patriots earn it in OT, and the Patriots did earn it in OT as continuing. They just continued. They won the toss, and it was just like Atlanta. It was just like Atlanta, regardless of who had the momentum in the second half. It wasn't a problem for the Patriots. As much as momentum as the Kansas City Chiefs had, the Patriots didn't let go of theirs. It was momentum, 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 both sides. The Patriots did not allow the Chiefs to just take over the game and walk away with it. And that's why the Patriots today are AFC champions after that great drive <laughs> at the end of the day. running Because now the Patriots don't have to worry about the clock. You can run the ball with Sony, Sony Michelle and you're able to get the job done. A couple of clutch completions 
to a guy who I had almost lost faith in for a moment there in Julian Edelman. He was clearly rattled after that fumble, after that fumble and then the interception, the tipped interception. But then he made the big, big plays and the rattling was gone. Ronkowski would make one more big catch on that drive. And Rex Burkhead, who scored that big touchdown to put the Patriots ahead with 39 seconds remaining, would put the Patriots into Super Bowl number 53. So the Patriots returned to the Super Bowl for the fourth straight season. Third straight season, pardon me. <laughs> I'm going crazy. It should have been the fifth straight season, but I've gone for a tip pass. Fells, it feels like five. But uh, third straight season, Rex Burkhead, the little guy, able to, able to shove his way forward and into the end zone about five minutes into the overtime period, and the Patriots return to the Super Bowl. There's no extra point necessary because that's all it is. Uh, the whole point was do not give <laughs> Mr. Patrick Mahomes the ball back. Score a touchdown, period. And that's what the Patriots did. And off they go to the third consecutive Super Bowl. Big play indeed. Big play indeed. The Patriots' defense was very, very uh, <laughs> excellent. And Tom Brady continued to do what he did. But also, you're not overusing the guy. And that's why this team is successful, because they were able to put together an offensive line that knows what they're doing. And, well, Brady was clutch when he needed to be. Clutch as ever, like he was 10, 15 years ago, as clutch as ever. And the running game was able to give Tom Brady and the Patriots what they needed. Despite a Chiefs team that was, uh, you know, they were on the verge of doing something spectacular. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, some of his passes were dropped, some of his passes were incomplete, but also the pass rush of Patrick Mahomes forced him to throw the ball away quite a few times, as did Tom Brady. He had to have a lot of throwaways as well. You'd rather throw the ball away than take the sack. But, um, <laughs> boy, rough, rough, scary moment there. Uh, also, I should mention the Patriots. Another thing where I said the Patriots probably should have had a much larger lead in the first half was, well, Brady had an interception in the end zone. That was his worst pass of the day. That was Kirk Cousins-like a little bit, the interception in the end zone where he was just beat there, and that wasn't a wise decision. I don't know why the Patriots were passing on two with two yards with as good a running game as they had at that play, but uh, whoops, <laughs> that was a mistake. Patrick Mahomes did have three touchdown passes and was excellent in the game. Also very noted, as good as... Uh, it's a combination of things, though. Brady could have been sacked how many times? And the way he was able to avoid getting strip-sacked in multiple occasions by throwing and getting rid of the ball as quickly as he could. So it's an incomplete pass. So what? I would take 10 out of 10 incomplete passes over a strip-sack and cost you the game. Luckily, he was able to throw the ball short so it wasn't intercepted. And he wasn't called for intentional grounding. And again, you wish, you just wish with all your heart and soul as Minnesota Vikings fans that Kirk Cousins could learn some of this. Kirk Cousins, sit and watch. Please watch. You know, you shouldn't get strip-sacked by the Los Angeles Rams as great as their D-line is. I know how weak as their offensive line was in that game. You shouldn't be getting strip-sacked. Throw the ball away. Just throw it away. Get rid of the ball. Throw it away. Throw it at a guy's foot. That's all you have to do. Throw it at our guy's foot so it doesn't look like intentional grounding. Or you're not he's fleeing, flinging the ball sideways again, again for intentional grounding, which is basically a sack then. Throw at someone's foot if you need to. Get rid of the damn ball. That's all you have to do. I, who cares if your percentage drops? Tom Brady's percentage in this game might have been like 80, if not for the throwaways he had to make. That's why you sit down and look at this statistic right here. Zero. The offensive line did an awesome job by the New England Patriots. They did. But Brady was pressured quite a bit in the game. And the Chiefs' defense is damn good. As good as their offense is, as good as their offense is they had the most sacks in the NFL this year. The Chiefs had were number one in the league in sacks. But Tom Brady's ability to get rid of the ball and able to sense pressure. He was going to get strip-sacked in, in, in the overtime period, and he threw at the guy's foot. He threw at Sonny Michael's foot, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly who it was. 
threw at his foot. That's all he had to do. Get rid of the ball. That's all. Oh, shoot, I underthrew it. Ha <laughs> ha, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's all you have to do. That's it. Get rid of the bleeping ball. Because obviously the pass wasn't going to be accurate if you're just going to fling it in a miracle moment. There's no need to chuck and duck. If you're going to chuck, ground it. Literally ground it. Without intentionally grounding it, so to speak. Make it look like a pass. And that's how the game is played. Zero, folks. Zero sacks on Tom Brady. Zero. By the top, sack defense in the NFL. Because Tom Brady senses pressure. Last year, that split second, he didn't sense it with the Eagles. And that's why the Patriots lost the game. Just yet another thing, Tom Brady, you know, I'm sure he already knows all that, blah, 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 but he learned it even more so. Get rid of the ball even quicker. Get rid of the ball even quicker, and you won't get strip sacked in that big moment. Let's talk about the Super Bowl now. That's why I do feel why that really went on, but these were some amazing games. Both of them went to overtime. Big play by Zerline and great play by Tom Brady and the Patriots, uh, offense down the stretch to help them lead, lead themselves to victory against a deadly dangerous Kansas City offense and a also very dangerous defense by the Chiefs that pass rushed him all day. Super Bowl 53, the Saints no, the Saints, yeah right, the Patriots versus the Los Angeles Rams Shades of 2001, the Patriots the underdog, 11-5 and five Patriots versus the 14-2 and two St. Louis Rams, a team with Arenas Williams a team with Kurt Warner, a team with uh, Marshall Falk uh, Isaac Bruce Torrey Holt, the greatest show on turf, and also a defense that had gotten significantly better compared to the year before, 2000. A very mediocre defense that gave up a billion yards, just like their offense got a billion yards. Uh, Trent Green got to play quarterback significant time in 2000 as well, before he went on to the Kansas City Chiefs and formed a great offense there, just like they have now, but even better now. Um, Though Priest Holmes is a huge part of that offense. Holy moly, was he good in the early 2000s. At Super Bowl 53, it's the defensive line versus Tom Brady. Can Tom Brady do what he did against the Kansas City Chiefs? Because if he does, the Patriots win their sixth Super Bowl. That's what's going to happen. If Tom Brady is able (laughs) to get rid of the ball before getting sacked, before getting strip-sacked in the big moments, the Patriots win the Super Bowl. If the Los Angeles Rams are able to get to Tom Brady, the Los Angeles Rams win Super Bowl 53, just like the New York Giants. It is going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be very close. Will Jared Goff be up for the moment, or will Bill Belichick's defense be ready to, to take him out of his game? I think there's a higher possibility that the New England Patriots do just that than the other. I think there's a higher possibility that Bill Belichick's defense rattles Jared Goff enough and that Tom Brady is able to get rid of the ball quick enough that the New England Patriots end up winning the game. It's not just it's not just me wearing blinders because, yes, they're my second favorite team. Yes, it's it's so illegal to have a second favorite team, but it, 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 it isn't that. It's looking at reality. This Kansas City Chiefs team, I picked them to win the game. I did, because I thought it was their game to win. And it absolutely was their game to win until the New England Patriots literally shut the door on them, shut the door on Patrick Mahomes in that first half, and then still kept him at bay. And that Tom Brady was not able or Tom Brady was able to get rid of the ball in time, and the Kansas City Chiefs were not able to get to him and force a strip sack, force a fumble. Both of the, well, the second interception was unearned. The first one wasn't a good play, but no quarterback is perfect. You're going to have interceptions. All the great quarterbacks throw interceptions. And, well, lucky for the Patriots, it was just a touchback anyway. 
It was extremely frustrating because they probably should have scored. A, the Shriders should have wound up with seven points in that play, a minimum of three, but at, but probably should have had seven with just two yards away, and it was only second down, and you throw a uh, Kirk Cousins like, what the hell, I'll just fling it in there and see what happens type of play um, into traffic. It's gutsy, but it's unnecessary sometimes. Um, but I do think the, the likelihood is higher that the New England Patriots are ready for the L.A. Rams than the L.A. Rams are ready for the Patriots, as much as most people would think they are the, the opposite. The defensive line is what will win the Super Bowl for the Los Angeles Rams. Jared Goff would just do his part. Todd Gurley, I think he's pissed off right now. I think he was very upset with how he was used in the NFC title game. It was plain as day he was stewing on the sidelines. It was plain as day that he feels like he's being usurped. He's the best running back in football, and he got four rushes in a game that, well, the Rams could have used his help. Instead, they elected to go with C.J. Anderson. Todd Gurley, I mean, maybe the Vikings needed to do that to Adrian Peterson, too, though, like against the New Orleans Saints, and maybe things would have been better. Because Gurley have a hard time hanging on to the ball occasionally, but certainly nothing on the Adrian Peterson level. It was interesting. Remember how, how the camera, you know, after they were talking to Jared Goff and all that, presenting the, uh, the NFC Championship trophy to the Los Angeles Rams, that they changed the camera for a second. They, you know, you flip the camera over to a different one. And it was showing Todd Gurley just kind of walking away, like leaving the uh, celebration, heading into the locker uh, elsewhere, he- heading elsewhere. And uh, that was an interesting note that I think deserves to be mentioned. I think Todd Gurley's pissed off. Uh, will he be a huge part of the Los Angeles Rams winning the Super Bowl? Or will he be a part of maybe things not going so well in the locker room? Uh, at, at the end of the day, and maybe the Patriots just get the job done. I feel a hunger from this Patriots team that is very strong. I think the Rams' defensive line, again, is the hungriest part. Obviously, Jared Goff wants to prove any doubters wrong, that he's too young and not ready for the big moment. Jared Goff proved in that, in that NFC Championship game that he is absolutely up to the challenge, and that does tell me that it's going to be a whale of a game once again. Um, Every Super Bowl the Patriots have played in has been very, 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 very close. Uh, all the way back to 2001. All the way back. And then you get the Carolina Panthers, the Eagles, and of course both of the Giants ones. Oh, the Seattle Seahawks one came down to the final play pretty much. Pretty much. And a terrible decision by uh, Pete Carroll. And uh, the man who was there so he wouldn't get fined was, he was there. And he didn't get the ball. So that was kind of frustrating, I'm sure, for him. Still probably irks him to this day. Uh, and, of course, the uh, the Atlanta Falcons game, they went down by 25 points, did the Patriots. So they had to blow out, they had to literally blow out the Falcons from there on and blow out they did the rest of the way. Um, I do think the Patriots overcome the Los Angeles Rams and they win their sixth Super Bowl. And I do believe Tom Brady will retire at the end of this game. I do believe this will be Tom Brady's last game. I, I do. Um, I, I think his goal is to be like a... I, I believe his goal is to get six Super Bowl championships. The odds of anybody catching that, a starting quarterback with six Super Bowls, is zero, zero. They're, they're, like Nobody else is going to do that. Is Patrick Mahomes going to do that with Kansas City? I don't think so. Is he going to win a couple? Maybe. But he has to get the first one. Same with Jared Goff. I do believe Tom Brady will win the Super Bowl and the Patriots will retire. Or, the Patriots will win the Super Bowl and Tom Brady will retire with his sixth championship. And maybe Bill Belichick does the same thing. I wouldn't have been surprised if he did that last year. But uh, it seems like he would have came back anyway this year. 
I've got a strange feeling, though, that's a, it's a little different this time. It's not because he wants to retire, but maybe, yeah, maybe just maybe it's time to go out on top with that one last championship, and that's what I believe will happen. I think Tom Brady will protect the ball enough, his offensive line will protect him enough, that the uh, running game for the Saint, uh, the, the Patriots will be just good enough. It's going to be tough. Obviously, Todd Gurley, I think, is going to have a bigger role in the game. I think the Rams are going to be at quirky and crazy. And again, those are other things that could beat the Patriots, just like uh, Doug Peterson did last year for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Though That's the other way to possibly beat them is some of those trick plays, some of those <laughs> wacky, wild plays. But of course, Josh McDaniels can do it as well on the other side. And Josh McDaniels has done it many times. That's some weird, wacky plays that him and Bill Belichick have worked on in the past. Um, Sean McVay is all about that, and we're going to see some very interesting plays. We're going to see some very interesting action out there. Uh, even the Saints, well, obviously they had those plays with Hill. I'm surprised you didn't see Bridgewater in one of those crazy trick plays. But, uh, well, one of them worked and one of them didn't. As uh, Sean Payton, a little bit too silly at the end of the day, did not help the uh, Saints' chances there. Luckily, they still got in for their sake, but it could have cost them dearly on one of those where Hill was able to get in on one of them. Um, I think it's going to be something along the lights. It's going to be closer to this uh, Chiefs game's final score, like 60, 60 points, 65 point game total, something like that, maybe 70. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 30, 38, 35. Really, really close game. But I do think the Patriots will be just good enough. Maybe the game goes to OT and the Patriots finish the job regardless. I think the Patriots will win the Super Bowl, though. Uh, the only hope is for the Rams, if it goes to overtime, they win the toss and they're able to just get it to Zerline's range. That's the one way you can beat the Patriots in, in, in overtime is you pray to God you get the toss and then you have Greg Zerline, the best kicker you know I've ever seen pretty much, nail a kick from the you know 57 yards and then the Rams uh, avenge the Super Bowl way back in 2001, which you never know, it could happen. But see, the thing is, the stars are aligning for Tom Brady. Uh, in, in with the Rams, out with the Rams. I wouldn't be surprised. Into the championship with the Rams, out with the championship with the Rams. That's what I do believe is going to happen. 38-35, the New England Patriots will be just a tiny bit better than the LA Rams. I do expect decent running on both sides, decent running game, but I do expect a lot of trick plays, a lot of screen plays. Julian Edelman will be huge, obviously. I don't know how many plays you're going to go to Cordero Patterson because he doesn't look like he's trustworthy as far as I'm concerned, but maybe one or two plays. Cordero Patterson's kick returning, though, will be extremely, extremely <clears throat> vital for the New England Patriots for, of course, the field position and all that. Uh, Gonkowski, obviously, also as well, a very, 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 very wild, uh, reliable kicker. Gostkowski uh, for the uh, New England Patriots. He can make him from the long 40s into the 50s as well. But that Zerline, boy, that, that, you never know. I mean, if you need that big kick in that big moment, I, I Zerline is your guy, boy. I mean, Zerline or Guskowski, you got two of the best kickers in football here as well for those big, big, big moments when it could be you to tie it up, go into overtime, or win the championship at the end of regulation, or maybe this is your opportunity to, to, to win it all right here and now because you stopped the other team on the other play. But um, that's the hope. Um, you give Tom Brady the ball in overtime, though, I think the chances are New England Patriots finish it. Very, very, very high. Uh, Tom Brady is now 3-0 and in overtime, and if he's given the opportunity, the Patriots win the Super Bowl again. 38-35 uh, is your final score. Might end up being something like 38-31, though, 
uh, should the uh, New England Patriots, uh, 37-31, should it be a uh, an overtime type of situation, though, where the Patriots win the toss or say they're going to stop on Jared Goff. But that is my belief. The Patriots will win Super Bowl 53. With that said, we'll get to what you guys have to say in fan interaction right after this. Greetings, Joey. Well, we're two weeks into the uh, off-season. Isn't that depressing? Middle of January, no football for our team. Unlike last year, where we were just about to get ready for that uh, exciting NFC title game, where we all felt, yeah, we're going to win this. And we all remember what happened. Anyway, interesting couple of weeks so far. Um, The pieces are falling into place. Kevin Stefanski took the job. Personally, I think a brave move by him. He's going really into a hot seat. There's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on him to somehow turn this offence around this year and make it viable. And if he fails, that's the GM gone, that's the head coach gone, and probably most of the coaching staff gone. I don't envy him, and I don't envy the fact that you have a GM that I don't trust in hiring or finding offensive linemen. He's not done a great job in all the years. You can go back to I can even go back to 2010 and sort of think about that O-line then and the times that uh, Brett Favre got knocked over. But uh, good on him, you know. I think think that's uh, commendable when he could have easily gone to Cleveland, had Baker Mayfield to coach, and a team that looks like it's going in a very positive direction, and he probably would have had a significant amount of job security with it. Anyway... That, then, of course, we had the uh, the hiring of old um, Gary Kubrick. Interesting. Um, I like it, but I'm also concerned with the fact that um, you're going to have... I mean, what's his role? Let's be honest. What, what's he going to do? Is he going to be player personnel and go out there and, and find those guys that can do the job? Um, if he starts having a, a significant uh, impact on who's the play caller. I mean, Stefanki's the guy. He's the O.C., if Kubrick gets involved in that, then I could see fireworks as we roll in the season. But again, we'll have to let all that play out. And then we move on to uh, Zimmer. Now, in his defence, yes, he's had to have different quarterbacks almost every season. When you look at a team like Green Bay, where they've had a franchise quarterback for, what, 27 years? And what have we had? Well, journeyman, first-round busts. Not a great deal, really. It is the Achilles heel of our team, as we all know. But um, I roll back again to this Eagles game last season where they they got embarrassed. And there's no two ways about it. Now, I'm very competitive when I play sports. I do not want to lose. Now, my assumption is that professional sportsmen are the same. You don't want to lose. You got embarrassed. Surely, I think we all suspected or hoped that this season gone, that this team was going to come back with a real chip on its shoulder and get out there and kick ass. And it didn't. And do you know what bothers me the most is that there were so many games this season where I felt this team wasn't prepared or fired up to get out there and win. Now, is that on Zimmer? You know, is he spreading himself so thinly? Because I think we all know that As an old-style coach, he wants to pretty much control and run everything. Now, if you look at the likes of uh, Sean McVeigh, things he can't do, he delegates. 
like the defence. He delegates that. He doesn't have a great deal of sale in that. Now, is Zimmer spreading himself so thinly that he's not got the ability to get this team motivated enough on game day? I just don't know. And that's what bothers me. It really does frustrate me. Now, I've always been sort of an advocate of having, and I know it's been done in the past, where you have an offensive head coach and you have a defensive head coach. Maybe it's time for uh, something along those lines. I would be intrigued to see a franchise actually try that out and see how it goes. Yes, I know you would probably have clashes of personality, but equally, if your sole focus is on one aspect of the football team, then you're not kind of getting sidetracked. I mean, we all know Zimmer runs the defence. We have a defensive coordinator, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't do a great deal. It's Zimmer's defence. Zimmer deals with it. But the trouble is then, he looks over at the O. Clearly this year, with De Flippo, he must have been constantly going over thinking, what the hell is going on? Because we're not doing it. Um, So, I guess we'll see what we see this year. Anyway, mate, um, have a happy... uh, weekend watching the the four finalists i so hope uh, the saints get beaten by the rams purely because i detest their bloody head coach anyway folks skull and take care of yourselves hey this is for joey uh, purple mafia skull hey just want to do a quick call in quick shout out to uh this is Gerald from Nebraska, by the way. Uh, just wanted to give a quick shout-out and apology to Brett McCarthy after all the uh, Kirk Cousins stuff that kind of went on after the season, after the emotion wears off, and you kind of look at how we're sitting right now. I think Cousins is still a top 10, 12 quarterback. And actually started looking at some of the quarterbacks that are paid as much as him or more or close to it in some cases. you got... Aaron Rodgers and Stafford not in the playoffs. You got Garoppolo not playing. You got Joe Flacco's not playing. You got Derek Carr on a pretty pathetic team. Uh, Roethlisberger's not in the playoffs. Matt Ryan's not in the playoffs. I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I think that when you look at Cousins and what he gets paid, uh, he's definitely a better quarterback than Keenum. And I think he can get some things done for us in the next couple of years I did uh watching the last couple of games on game pass there there was no pocket there was no running lanes there was no nothing um basically uh I like what we got with Elfline, Reef and O'Neal so centers and tackles were good please draft some guards we need some guards did I mention we could really use some guards we get some guards and I like what Kubiak's going to bring from my second favorite team to the table, I think we're going to be in good shape for next season. So, anyway, thanks for all you do, Joey. Uh, appreciate it. Love all you guys out in Purple Mafia Nation. Have a good day. Hey, how cool is that? Mad Martin and Gerald Sring calling doesn't get much better than that. In fact, I'm, I'm not sure it does. But uh, any of you out there, you're welcome to call in as well anytime. Audio submission and the phone line. We'll get to that at the end of the show here. We'll start with Mad Martin. Uh, very interesting thought process there about, again, well, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely competitive as well, and you're surprised that uh, 
the team just couldn't come out with it again this year. And I, I was surprised as well. And it just seems like it's always like that. The Pittsburgh Steelers were 15-1 and in 2004. They end up coming back. I mean, they get upset in the playoffs that year. After a 15-1 season, they come back the next year 11-5 and and win the Super Bowl. And they were 9-5, and 8-5 and at a point, and it was a very close game against the Minnesota Vikings in the Metrodome. Both teams have the same record, and the Pittsburgh Steelers end up winning that game and don't lose another game the rest of the way en route to the Super Bowl championship over the Seattle Seahawks with Matt Hasselbeck at quarterback. So yeah, I mean, a lot of teams, they come back and they get it done. Denver Broncos had a great record in 95, pardon me, 96, and they, they had that great record. You know, they were the best team in football, the best running back. John Elway finally had a great team in front of him, and they get upset by the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was totally shocking. I couldn't believe it. And then they lost to the Patriots, the uh, Drew Bledsoe-led Patriots. This is 96, remember. Uh, an upset uh, moment there. But uh, very disappointing to see the Broncos lose. I felt so bad, so bad for John Elway, and I love Terrell Davis. And that was your club there. And, uh, that was back, you know, I, I liked the Broncos more than the Patriots back then. But it was just kind of casual, just like, yeah, this is fun. And I loved Terrell Davis. So they were in, they were enjoyable, very fun team to watch. And I respected John Elway so much. They come back in 97 with an inferior record. They had to win three road games, and they did. And they did. And they won the Super Bowl over the Packers. Everybody's like, oh, Green Bay's going to win. And, I, and then it's like, well, Denver's better. They just didn't have as good of a record. So what? And Denver did win, thankfully. Thankfully for for everybody in this part of the part of the part of the uh, the Mississippi River part, uh, so to speak, the west side of the Mississippi River, we're very happy to see the uh, Minnesota to see the uh, Denver Broncos beat the Packers, and that was a very very fun Super Bowl. The Vikings, you get knocked out by the Falcons, and then you, and you come in inferior the next year, don't get as far. Two thousand nine versus two thousand ten, not even close. And then you know two thousand into two thousand one, are you kidding me? So. Yeah, and then this year versus last year. No. Again, you missed the playoffs. Three out of four times the Vikings go to the NFC title game. They come back the next year and don't even make the playoffs. And two of those times the coach got fired the next year. That's how bad things got. So extremely bullcrap. The whole thought of offensive head coach, defensive head coach, that's innovative, and I think that's good. Well, knock, knock. Secrets uh, secrets might be going on here. <clears throat> well, the offensive head coach in a lot of ways might be Gary Kubiak, I think, in a lot of ways. He's kind of he's the offensive advisor, a senior advisor of the offense. He is considered the assistant head coach and offensive advisor. So to me, that's basically what it is. He's kind of like an offensive head coach, I think. And then Zimmer can be the defensive head coach. So very interesting thought process there where uh, Mike Zimmer might be wearing thin there. Very, very cool. And as for Gerald Sering, awesome to hear from you, your debut on the phone lines. Thank you so much for calling. I know your first call got cut off because you actually, you forgot that it was a three-minute limit and it wasn't the call wasn't particularly the way you wanted it to be. So that's perfectly fine. And then you came back with this one, which is great. So uh, great call. Totally understand. Again, you're, uh, uh, anybody that was frustrated with Kirk Cousins this season, I was included. So yes, I apologize for maybe being too harsh, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of a team thing. The uh, He needs to get rid of the ball. He needs to get rid of the ball quicker when need be. Either throw it away or whatever, just like I was saying in the last segment. And of course, yes, can we please draft some cards? And it was so frustrating last year when there was Mr. Daniels waiting there. James Daniels was waiting there from Iowa, just sitting there, and you take Mike Hughes, who was a good draft pick, a very good draft pick, but we needed James Daniels. 
You wish somehow, some way we could have wound up with both of them. In a perfect world, yes. That would have been great. But unfortunately, that just wasn't meant to be. Um, the drafting of Dalvin Cook, well, hey, you know, that was a must. And luckily, the Vikings were able to have Pat Elfline in the third round. But last year, not one, you know, the NFL teams just went gung-ho after O-line, after O-lineman, after O-lineman was taken late in the first, into the early, into the second. And that was just about all she wrote. Brian O'Neill, quite an absolute wonderful uh, revelation there for the Vikings. What a wonderful, fortunate pick for Minnesota in the second round. Definitely a reach, but I think he is reaching <laughs> in a good way. He is reaching closer to his potential. And a lot of people do believe he will be the starting right tackle of the future for the Minnesota Vikings long-term. Maybe short-term, a little uh, left tackle. Did I say right? Left tackle of the Vikings long-term. Uh, the the most important position there is, other than center, you could say, which, thank God in heaven, Pat Elfline anchors, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, I will never underrate the uh, value of a Nick Easton. And I know none of you did. Not one of you did that I can remember. Like, oh, at least it was Easton, you know, when he got hurt in, in the Carolina game in 2017, and he hasn't played since. Nick Easton's value is off the charts, and I hope and pray to God he is able to come back normal and ready to go. But again, Probably two guards need to be taken in this draft, one high, one one, one wherever, and it wouldn't kill us in one way to draft a uh, tackle of some sorts. I think three offensive linemen need to be taken, two guards and one tackle. And then you go from there, you make decisions on where guys go, you make decisions on who you bring back, who you release possibly. There's a distinct possibility that Mike Remmers will be released because <clears throat> I'm not sure what you're going to do because Brian O'Neill is a better tackle than Mike Remmers. And Mike Rimmers was a decent tackle. He's not a good guard. Mike Rimmers is not a good guard. He was playing out of position. And unfortunately, I think this uh, Minnesota Vikings team right now has really hurt uh, Mike Rimmers in a big way, uh, which is really sad. Uh, luck, ho hopefully for him, he can uh, end up somewhere else as a starting tackle and still make a, a good career for himself. So that's just kind of how it is. Uh, Riley Reef might end up moving to right tackle, depending on how things go. How will he take it? I have no idea. Will Riley Reef ultimately be released one of these days? Don't be surprised if that does happen. I'm, I would be surprised if he did not return uh, next year, but I think two years from now, Riley Reef is gone. Just my feeling, just my vibe. Uh, it's crazy how quickly he's already starting to break down, and it's really frustrating at the end of the day. Heck, Remmers missed a lot of time uh, the year before. I missed some time this year as well. Let's get to the uh, the Twitter account. At Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show, I want to thank Malcolm McSween and Vince Germano. Malcolm out of California, Vince Germano out of Australia for retweeting the most recent show. Thank you so very much for that. We will now go upward here. Mad Martin, Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland says, Happy Championship Weekend, Joey. Thanks for that gold-plated Silver Star. Always another good podcast, and thank you so much. He says, I've done some audio. It was over 12 minutes long. Managed to cut it to five minutes. Too much to say, and... Well, you did a hell of a job doing that there. And, uh, yeah, I'm curious what you had to say. And feel free to add the part that was uh, cut out in your next call, if you'd like to. Uh, feel free to. I'm very curious what you had to say there and wherever things go. Maybe it ends up being old news, whatever it was, that it's something else happened. You know how things, you know how that can go. I've done a show and then it's already old news. It's, it's how it is sometimes. But, yeah, let me know. Uh, Mad Martin was saying not a good start for the Rams. It's looking ugly. They need to get their shit together. And at least they've got something. Yeah, but then they finally got uh, a point in there. And I was saying, fake punt by the Rams finally got something going. Dallas Dysonbox says, take that, Peyton. Interesting uh, map posted by Mad Martin says, so Minnesota is rooting for the taints. No bleeping way. As it was basically all of the upper Midwest, all of the lower Midwest, including Florida 
and all the way over to Washington and Oregon, and of course New York, blah, 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 were all voting or rooting for the Saints. And then Hawaii was Rams, which is not surprising. They're usually L.A. or California, uh, L.A. or whatever, California teams. Uh, so the only teams cheering for the Rams, according to this, was California, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. That is some bleep. And I don't think Minnesota is cheering for the uh, New Orleans Saints and rooting interest. But maybe just a couple of people voted from here. And I don't understand that. Why would they cheer for the Saints? Why? No, we have been knocked out by both teams in the playoffs in the past. Rams in 1999, but there was nothing really cheap about that one. It was just frustrating. Man Martin says, at least the Saints did not get to draft Mahomes. Thank you, KC, for jumping up to ninth and putting a dagger in the Taints' future. Yeah, man. Um, he says, uh, Joey, I know your Patriots are your second favorite team, but I would love to watch KC roll the Taints in the Super Bowl. Could have happened, but, well, neither one of them made it, interestingly enough, and I thought both of them were going to make it. I thought the Saints and the uh, and the uh, Chiefs were going to make it, and they didn't. And I was saying, oh my lord, it's the best kick of all time. And it was. And Mad Martin says, sweet. Bleep him. He was uh, laughing so hard he was crying and thumbs up. Yep. <laughs> now if KC can do their part, I'm happy. I'm off to bed to uh, watch it tomorrow. Skull, brother, and skull to you also, my brother. Uh, Malcolm also liked the, oh my lord, greatest kick of all time. And Mad Martin wraps up the Twitter section saying, in a league that is designed for parity, what can you say about New England? Just unbelievable. What a coach and what a quarterback. And I couldn't agree more. What a coach and what a quarterback. I mean, amazing, amazing job. And, well, they did it. I mean, a lot of us thought there's no way they're going to win on the road. They've stunk on the road. They're unbeatable at home. But, uh, you know, in these big mo in these big games, they're not so good on the road because it's not easy to win on the road, and they're usually the favorites anyway. And they got the job done. Did the New England Patriots? They really, truly did. Let's give a quick shout out to MN Vikings Haven, MN Vikings Haven, in-game threads, news, and all that interaction. Encourage you to join that Facebook page. Thank you so much, Trevor Wickerin, for allowing me to post links to Purple Mafia on that page, the Purple Mafia show. And uh, I'm more than obliged to give you a shout-out and encourage my followers to follow your page. Thank you again, Trevor. Uh, now, Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Let's get to the Purple Mafia Show page on Facebook. Do give that a like. Do give the Twitter account a follow. Interact with me on there. And, of course, the phone lines are available as well. Leland out of Iowa says, Good insights, Joey, on the most recent show. And thank you so much, Leland, for what you had to say there. I believe the, the show was also, the link was shared by Mark Carlson out of Iowa. Thank you so much. So now here it is. The Vikings hire Gary Kubiak as offensive advisor. The offensive advisor in the house, Sebastian Barton, says, you know what it is? You know what this is? He essentially is running the show on offense with Stefanski. I agree. He says, and so make, and so makes, what does he mean here? And so make Zimmer doesn't, I think he means, and so it means Zimmer doesn't have to worry about that side of the ball. Yep. Uh, also, he he can then assign blame. <laughs> oh, yep. Oh, boy, he can assign blame so if things go bad offensively. Well, well, what was their fault? It was the offense's fault. I, I run the defense. Yep. Yeah, it could be exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, Lord, that could be. So we'll go from there. Gerald String, there he is out of Nebraska, says, many years of successful experience. 
Can't hurt our vanilla offense, that's for sure. Get a couple guards, and I think we're in good shape. And did I mention get a couple guards, right? <laughs> no, I, I added that part at the end, just like it's called. Dave Vicky was also called in many times, and I encourage him to call in again. Miss you, Dave, out of Iowa. Oh, he gets, yep, he gets busy at times on and, and Sundays, unfortunately. He says, I like this hire. It's good to have former head coaches on your staff. Brett McCarthy says, like this a lot. Can't say they are not trying. And Brett continues, says, I think this could be good all around. And yep, and Mark Carlson says, as, as hell yeah. Mark Carlson out of Iowa. Leland, <clears throat> also out of Iowa, says, good move. Remember, Stefanski is a first-year coordinator, so he should have an open ear for suggestions. Plus, if anything offensively goes good, maybe a promotion to GM. Yeah, maybe, because I know Ed Stefanski is a general manager. So, who knows? Or again, maybe uh, Gary Kubiak is a GM. So, we'll just have to wait and see. How that goes. Mike Berry says, I liked the guy better when he was a Bronco. Uh-oh. <laughs> Mark Carlson wraps up this section, says, uh, he has been there, done that experience. Successes and failures along the way make him a positive addition. Hope he can gel and motivate the players. This team has to play at a higher level. Thanks, Joey, for the update, and I really enjoy reading all the comments on topics like this. And yes, it's fascinating to see how people uh, feel about it and just get a, get a vibe and Hopefully that's uh hopefully things do head in the right direction as things move on. I made a mistake here. I was saying well, I was saying how maybe this guy could be the Vikings higher, but uh, <clears throat> where was the other? Yeah, there were a couple comments. Uh, the uh, Indianapolis Colts who did a great job this year on the offensive line. They fired uh, Dave Duglimo. Duglimo. <laughs> they fired him unfortunately. Um, where are the comments? There we go. Let's take them all out of there. Todd Grubbow says, I've been watching this team. They could use two coaches at this position, the offensive line. Oh, and Brown says, please hire this guy. The Colts O-line was good. Ale Sidikai says, it's going to be Kennison because of Kubiak. And yep, that has been the talk. Kennison will be the offensive line coach, most likely because of Kubiak. Leland says, keep hiring. And yes, Owen Brown, Colts kept luck protected pretty good this year. And they sure did. It does sound like Kennison is the guy. Thank you, Ollie, for jumping in there. Ah, uh, Championship Sunday Thread is here. Yep, wow, pretty busy commentary on this one. Oh, a big part of it's me, too. I was saying the best kick of all time from the Rams kicker. Uh, Eric Mustard says, I call it Schadenfreude. Two postseason heartbreaking losses in the, in, in the playoffs in a row for the Saints. And yep, without a doubt there. Brent McCarthy says, Karma, Karma Saints eat it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Brett, I, I was saying, yep, I'm so glad, too. It's about time they got it for real at home when it counts most. Brett McCarthy said, loving it, then crying. I was saying, again, I, it felt a lot like a combination of 98 and uh, 2009. It really did, honestly. Uh, he, uh, Brett McCarthy agrees, and he shows Kyle Rudolph, winner of the Man of the Year for the Charity Challenge. So, very cool. Kyle Rudolph ended up getting the Man of the Year for Charity Challenge. Thank you for passing that on. Brett McCarthy. <clears throat> oh, that's funny. They show uh, he has a, a meme with uh, Brett Favre, uh, Brett Favre's head on a referee's body, where uh, Sean Payton was, you know, giving, you know, getting pissed off about the call. Brett Favre smiling said, "I didn't see anything. No flags." <laughs> Jesse Ball says, "Anybody but the Saints." Eric Mustard says, "Cheering for not the Saints, not the Patriots." Oh man, look at ya. Eric Mustard, uh, Matt Emer out of the UK says, yep, we all are. 
Well, I cheered for the Patriots. <laughs> ben McCarthy says, so what's everyone think of the new coaching hires? I think it's good stuff, and uh, there was a lot of combination there. I, I think it's going to be a conversation earlier. Eric Mustard continues saying, unless they can play online, I'm going to reserve judgment. Gerald String says, I like the Kubiak hire. Brad McCarthy says, Gerald String, I think so. Time will tell. Zimmer, more, Zimmer, more of a defensive guy. When Shermer was there, he didn't have to worry about that side of the ball, and hopefully that'll be the continued uh, pattern here. Gerald String says, wish the Vikings had an O-line like the Rams. What are the odds of a full red moon rising over Arrowhead during the AFC Championship game? Personally, Mahomes is the most exciting player to watch. Don't know anyone that he reminds me of. Yeah, he seems like he's kind of in a world of his own. Goes out there like it's backyard football and does crazy things with his legs and his arm. Sorry, Joey, I know your Patriots are your second favorite team, but I would love to watch Casey against anyone in the Super Bowl. Anyhow, just hoping for competitive games, unlike the NFC debacle last year. And yep, that was not a good game. <clears throat> Ben McCarthy has a meme also that says, Saints, no Super Bowl for you. Karma, Saints, go Rams. Nice interception. Come on, Rams. Go Rams, go. Okay, KC, let's roll. Take it to them. Man, the Chiefs can't get it together. Who dat? Who dat? The Rams, who dat? <laughs> what, was that a bad call? Hate the Saints. Dave Hickey. Also, I believe he's wrapping up the sec section here. Says, well, another football, another Sunday at work. Yep, football Sunday at work. I'm definitely not a Rams fan, but, but it's nice to see the Herald and Saints go down. As for the AFC, of course, the team I want to win the most gets beat by the GOAT. Uh, that sucks. When When is the NFL going to realize basically nobody wants them to win anymore? Except maybe you, Joey. One guy I work with, everybody else I know hates them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have some friends that like the Saint, the Patriots, so I don't know. Hey, I mean, I'm happy. I like both of the teams that won. I did not pick either one of them to win. It does show I'm objective, and then I, you know, think with my brains, not just my heart when it comes to predicting. I did think it was going to be the Chiefs and the Saints. I truly did. And it went the other way, and I'm, I'm very glad. I'm glad the Rams won, and I'm glad the Patriots won. So we'll leave it at that. And I do believe... This is coming from the brain, not the heart. I do believe the Patriots will win because of what I saw yesterday. I saw Tom Brady get rid of the ball at the right time, the right place, and he was able to avoid any type of a, you know, strip sack or a big sack that would have killed any of those drives. And that's a big deal, man. I, I'm not sure Jared Goff is up to that. Well, we'll see, though. Maybe it's, I think it's going to be an epic battle, though. I think Goff will definitely get his in the game at the end of the day. He'll get his. With that said... I'm going to hand out the contact details. First of all, let's pass out the awards for this show. Gold star for this episode. <clears throat> Boy. Uh, <sighs> it's always tough. I think uh, Mad Martin and Gerald Spring are going to share the gold star this week. You guys are awesome, and thank you so very much. Uh, Brent McCarthy is going to get the silver. Brent McCarthy and Eric Mustard will share the silver star. And Mark Carlson... And Dave Hickey will ring in the bronze. Great conversation, guys. Uh, thank you so much for the conversation and, uh, well, bringing it to the table like you always do. Thank you so very much. Contact details, again, at Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show is the Facebook page. All of this will be in the show description. Now on the phone lines, 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for the Purple Mafia Show. Do your statement, comment, shout out, and opine, or you can say you're calling in for Joey, Purple Mafia Show. Um, it's a three-minute limit for the phone line. Do So remember that. Keep that in mind. 
There's the call now button on the Facebook page, which goes to the same phone line and all the same deal there. As long as you're connected to the cellular or uh, Wi-Fi, one way or another, you'll be on and it won't cost you a penny. Other than that, <laughs> other than that, there is the uh, audio submission route, which I highly recommend. Dave, uh, Dave Martin uses that, Mad Martin. I'm not sure if he uses Audacity with the microphone. It sounds like it, but of course you can also use the free voice recording application on your smart device as well. So like an, uh, any type of audio <laughs> editing software with your microphone is perfectly fine as well. I think it's awesome. It sounds great. It's podcasting level, uh, you know, it's really nice quality there. But the phones work too very nicely. Phone line and of course a voice recording application on your smart device. Treat it like a phone call. Save it. Keep it to about five minutes or so. Something like that. It could go over, though. If you you really want to, it could. Um, But uh, don't go too crazy, I guess. Unless we win the Super Bowl, then it's like... (laughs) Then you could go on forever, pretty much. Uh, But yes, you would then save that and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com paladinolive at yahoo.com I will then convert it into an mp3 file thanks to zumzer.com or converto.com, both free, as long as the file is not too big. It's easy to do, so I'm more than happy to give them a free plug because they give me a free service to do this show, so why wouldn't I do that? With that said, thanks again, guys, for an awesome uh, conversation, an awesome week. Your support of the show is just wonderful. Please write a positive rating on iTunes if you could. Anybody out there that has, uh, you, you like this show, you haven't introduced yourself, say hello to me on Facebook, Twitter, and of course, if you could, write a positive rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And when I see it, I will mention you and thank you on air. And I will guarantee you some type of star, maybe maybe even the gold star at the end of the day. Uh, can't thank you enough, though, for those of you that haven't done it already. Many of you have, and I appreciate it so very much. But uh, hey, if you want to write a positive rating and help the show out, make it attractive to new potential listeners, Greatly appreciate it. Also, tell a friend, and I know many of you have, but some of you, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. It would be great to meet some new people if uh, if that's the way things are, are heading. Thanks again, everybody. Stay warm. It's going to be a frigid, frigid, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a very frigid week or so up in this neck of the woods, probably most of uh, the United States. I heard not too long ago that uh, the sun had a pretty dramatic cooling effect. Uh, a few months ago and that we would start majorly feeling the effects in a few months and well a few months have gone by and it's uh, getting cold so to me everything is in cycles folks it's all in cycles it it is I mean it's cold for a reason it's warm for a reason this and that but uh, there's cycles here and there with the sun hot and cold stretches with the sun Uh, with all of you though boy stay warm stay safe I haven't been feeling my best for a long time but I still have the energy and the passion to do this show as much as humanly possible. We'll talk to you in two weeks. I will be taking the next week off because there's no game. Do enjoy the Pro Bowl. Don't bash it. You don't have to watch the whole game, but don't bash. Don't trash the Pro Bowl. I think that's stupid. It's just, just you know, who cares? Let them enjoy it. Let them have fun, and I will put it on. I'm not going to watch it closely, but I will have it on. So do enjoy. Take care, and we'll talk to you in two weeks.